Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 133 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardroom.com, Simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on OneOuter.com website and also via iTunes for free. Just search OneOuter Podcast. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, best thing to do is email questions at OneOuter.com Alternatively, you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, episode 133. We're not going to pretend that we've not spoken uh, a week and stuff. Um, we just spoke. We took a 10-minute break there. And mm-hmm. you are back fresh. So I'm guessing nothing major has happened there. You've not finished uh, reading Cliff Notes of the Sopranos and uh, no. Empire <laughs> and like that. So uh, oh, thank you, God. you do need to do them. You do need to get into them. Um, I just thought thing. I was at the races yesterday, horse racing in Scotland for my brother-in-law to be's uh, stag party, and it was great fun. And the one previous listener was on about questions, you know, things to go out and do out the house. And I was just thinking, maybe if you are an online poker player, even going out and playing live, that social interaction. I know it's not exactly really healthy sitting in a casino and stuff and doing that, but it, it's a nice little dimension. I mean, going to the races yesterday. That's the first time I've been to the live races in God, maybe 10 years or something like that. And I used to go a lot. And now it's amazing how widespread it is. When I used to get the train from Dundee to Perth, where it is, uh, it's like a 20-minute train journey, and then you get this shuttle bus. It used to be... I used to go when I was at university, and it was literally me and six other guys on the shuttle bus or something like old-timers right. with a racing post and their binoculars, and, you know, their little hip flask or whatever, and that would be it. And now, the queues for the buses were, like, over 100 people, maybe more, and there was, like, several buses going, and then there was more queues and queues, and it's just such a widespread thing now. People are just there for the piss-up, and excuse to drink alcohol, you know? And, like, hardly anybody, people, you know, I, I was seeing people that weren't betting on any of the races at all. They were just there to get smashed. And I was like, casinos have kind of become that way in the UK. And I think in Vegas as well. I mean, I was reading, like, Vegas struggle with um, offering the comp drinks now. They're starting to do it like, oh, if you're playing the video poker, if the light's not green on the machine, it means your play is not basically justifying a free alcoholic drink or whatever you know and it's like wow it's amazing how people want to be like i always struck me as like i know people that are like oh i'm going to vegas and i'm like they don't gamble they don't they, they hate gambling they never gamble and i'm like there's better places to go i know i know there's lots of things <laughs> to do in vegas but there's lots of things to do in other parts of the world as well I'm like if you don't gamble i would say stay away from vegas you know what i mean it's like 
because the whole place is geared to that. And I, I just think it's interesting that it's like the business casinos have sort of tried to normalise it all and make it more friendly to the masses. And in the UK, every second advert is for an online betting site or a land-based site. And it's like, yeah, that's fine in terms of open up and responsible gaming and things like that. It's all good. But there comes this point where it's like, you know, it kind of dilutes it for me in terms of like that old nostalgic thing. I preferred it when it was more of a sort of, um, you know, at the races you were going and it was just like hardcore gamblers and race goers and people who followed the sport. But I think poker, it's the opposite. You want as many recreational, as many recreational players involved, because especially in you know the tournaments, and especially if you're playing with them, because mm-hmm. it's going to it's going to be more, you know, new player pool, people that are less skilled than current players, it's like yourself or some listeners that play for a living. So it's just mm-hmm. it's that sort of fine line of the industry trying to like widespread it and then kind of like killing the nostalgia because. I guarantee you there'll be people that prefer those days of when poker was just a, a closed-knit community thing almost, like the, that club in New York and then Vegas and the World Series was 90 players or whatever. I agree and disagree with you, which is I agree there is a nostalgia lost when the poker community blows up so much, and I certainly don't appreciate casinos I feel have streamlined the process and made the tournaments very luck intensive and quick and get you out the door I feel as if in Vegas there's still a lot of good poker to be had a lot of very small card rooms where you can hack out a living so I do really like Vegas and Vegas is an amazing city if you don't do two things if you don't drink if you don't gamble this is the most fun city you will ever find on earth if you do those two things you're not going to have fun here have you ever walked through a casino here like I'm there in Bullhead City if you got into a car and drove two hours away yes you would be in Vegas but let's assume I was cool enough to live in Vegas and I could say that if you come to Vegas and you drink, people forget they're dehydrated. Mm -hmm. It's the desert. And if you drink alcohol, it dehydrates you further and that's when you start seeing you know, guys get angry about absolutely nothing. Women panic for no reason. It's the dehydration and the gambling's not if you don't derive a hardcore pleasure from it like those old seasons gamblers it's generally do you ever walk through a casino and see people smiling? Like all their advertisements, everybody's smiling. Do you ever walk through a casino and see that? Very rarely. Yeah, and you do see it at some games. You see it at craps. Craps is a social game. Uh, you know, I, I, I begrudge no man that takes 50 bucks to that. I just don't get it. I don't, I, I don't put money on anything that doesn't come back to me. And I think... With live poker, I, I think it's a great way to get out there and meet people. You, you, you're not going to... I think you're going to make... More, you, you make a lot of connections at the card table. You, you, and you want to be... You will learn about the city you're in if you play at the card table and you just listen. You will learn about where you are in the country. I, I got that the first time I played in Laughlin, Nevada. I learned everything about this place 
because everybody was just so happy to tell me. And when I went to Montreal, I got to hear a lot about, you know, I, I asked them, I apparently you're not supposed to ask this, but I just wanted to hear people's opinions. I said, so should Quebec be a country? And then some guy goes, oh, here we go. Oh, God. And then everybody was super polite about it and telling me the pros and cons. But, yeah, you can learn. I think that's a great way to go analog in a digital world. I, I agree with that. It is, you got to remember when you're gambling, it is gambling. There's a reason they used to do this in back rooms. It is a little seedy. You see some things. Now, you can go in there and be with adults and responsibly gamble. I think that's one of my main attractions to tournaments, which is you know what the damn buy-in is, you, and you know if you can afford it or not. Let's not kid ourselves and say you had to play. You, you knew what the buy-in was. If you couldn't lose it, you shouldn't have been playing. That's not my fault. right? You play in a cash game and somebody cleans you out again and again and again, and he's using mental warfare to get you heated and stacking your chips, then you got worked. That, that one's always been weird to me. That's always been hard to play up at cash games. That doesn't feel like me. But, like, tournament poker, responsible adults, people not being asses over a card game, oh, there's nothing better in the world. And you can occasionally find that in Vegas. I, I, I really find it in Montreal. It was really nice. Everybody was super cool and realized it's a damn game. Let's, uh, and sorry, guys, my voice is kind of going a bit. Uh, with a sore throat, but uh, I'm gonna I'm I'm Clint Eastwood today. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, yeah, cool. Um, yeah. So what have you been up to? Uh, well, I ran like God at the races and in the in the bookmakers before it as well. I'm sorry, uh, I got I gotta save this on me. Ain't no God but God. Okay, that was my Christian <laughs> hip hop moment. All right, you go ahead. Yeah, I ran like him, not as him. Yeah, <laughs> I can. <laughs> Uh, okay. Yeah, I was really lucky on the the negative EV games. Uh, <laughs> so That's good. good. Yeah, but like you say, when you're playing anything, like, I just it was the money was written off. But I got lucky, and it, uh, it came back to me uh, more than I started with. Like it was great. I had a really good day out, and it was good just to walk around. You, man. Yeah, it was good. It was good fun. Um, and okay, right. What we'll do is I think we're just going to get right into the questions on this episode because. We are doing a back-to-back today, and Alex is uh, a little under the weather, um, but yeah, you still yeah, have good sorry, form, guys. and you're still sorry, firing guys. away. You're no, no, no. You're still, you're still providing. You're still working, and it is a Saturday. <laughs> it's a Saturday night, quarter to eight at night here, uh, my time, and Alex, it's uh, quarter to twelve in the afternoon, morning. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. But but um, I got I got all day and all night to create things. I'm pretty. I'd rather do that than drink. Yeah. I, I really, I really would get paid to make things. Yeah, life is good. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah let's get, let's get into it. Let's uh, let's hear some questions. Yeah. Okay. This one is from Ryan. Um. Hey, I have a question I would like you to answer. It's about evaluating whether to play certain live games. I'm a winning online player. Have a few live caches, and I do enjoy playing live. Uh, the seldom times that I have. I want to play more live, so what should I be looking at when evaluating the tournaments that I'm thinking about playing? Also, what are some of the biggest adjustments you think I should be making generally from online to live? Thanks. I, this is really weird how this leads in. <laughs> if you can afford the tournament, if you can afford to lose it, that's your, that's your game. That's your game. Always pretend. What I tell my students is, what's the buy-in of the tournament? 
535. Would you spend $535 to play live poker for three days for practice? Yes? Okay. Go in like you lost the tournament. Pretend you bubbled. Worst case scenario. Maximum amount of time, least money. Can you do that? Yeah? Does that seem that bad? No? Good. So play for the win. Have fun. Okay? If you have an ICM situation, you're not going to figure it out. Bring it back to me. Or if this is one of my talent coaching package people, you can just call me on my Skype. It goes to my cell. I've been telling these guys that nobody does it. If you're deep in a tournament and you don't know an ICM thing, you can call me on Skype. We'll talk for four minutes. If you're one of the people who dropped a 1,000 on my coaching program. But, yeah, anyhow, there's uh, it, the ICM situations you're not going to figure out. Don't, don't, don't try to. Just remember, if you're on some kind of bubble, it's better to move all in than it is to call, right? So if you have like 26 big blinds and ace-queen and somebody opens the cutoff to 2.75x, just shove. Don't three-bet call from the button. Just move all in if you're right before the bubble or something like that. That'll get you out of 90% of problems that come with ICM. Look a few moves ahead and see if the guy can threaten your stack. And... uh yeah, just play for fun. And uh, if you can afford to lose the money and you're fine with that and your partner is fine with that, which is, it's kind of, this is turning into a relationship show. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Phil. We've, we've said that Dr. Phil is the best. Now, it ain't right to beat your kids. Like, well, thank you, genius. <laughs> I, mean, I was, I was going to beat a few on my way to work today, but, you know, I think I'll leave that bus stop alone now. But, yeah, anyway. Sorry, I I watch Doctor Phil is the worst part. I'm pretty I'm pretty white like that, and you know you know when in Rome, watch what you can. But it's uh, uh I think that if you can go into the tournament with that attitude, that's great. And another big thing I'm working on with guys now, I sent out a questionnaire, Barry. This this to me is indicative of the times. I sent out a questionnaire to all of my students, and these people are fantastically intelligent, very good in their fields, many of them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, I get a lot of, like, professionals now, and I love that about my job, because who, who gets to talk to doctors and lawyers and people who own firms and stuff like that and just hear their methods, right? And I, get, I comp some lessons sometimes, because the guy just ends up educating me for 45 minutes. But, yeah, I sent them a questionnaire, and I said, what's your goal? And half of them said to be more consistent. I was like, no, 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 no. What tournament do you want to win, and how is that going to happen? I don't, I need, to, when you enter a tournament, can you see yourself winning it? Or do you see yourself at the final table and something happening? You need to see yourself winning it. You need to see yourself winning the last hand and fist pumping. I do believe, I never believed in that stuff until the last year. When I, start, I started writing my affirmations every day, and I changed everything in my life. Everything, I was fat. I got skinny. I, I wrote down, you will be skinny again and again. I said it to myself. And there, it's really weird. And I'm not skinny now, but I feel way better about myself than I did nine months ago. Nine months ago, I was, you know, I'm getting a divorce. I'm looking at myself in the mirror. I was like, I'd leave you too, buddy. Jesus Christ. Like, you let yourself go. And now I feel, whoo, like way out of that spot right and the thing is your subconscious mind will put together what you believe if you say to yourself i am going to win this poker tournament your mind it's just like you hear the last seven seconds of a song 
when you turn on your car and the radio comes on, and you go, what song was that? And then at 6 p.m., you're cleaning veggies for dinner in your apartment, and you go, oh, that's that god-awful share song. You know? And then it, your mind will act, it will find ways to process in your subconscious a way for you to win the tournament. So first off, can you afford this tournament? Can you see yourself bubbling? And are you fine with that? If the answer is yes, play with abandon. Play for the love. Play, that doesn't mean play stupid. It means just play the best you can absolutely play at every time. And remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a marathon. But there are times you can make great strides in a marathon. There are times you can, I think they call it their kicking, the kicking stage, when they're like really kicking, digging in to get ahead of someone. You might have to do that with a triple barrel bluff. You might have to call three streets. It, it's going to be scary, right? But if this just makes you want it more and you can see yourself winning, but win it. And I think it's a really good idea to pick the tournament you're going to win. Uh, I had a guy the other day, uh, 66. He's smarter than both you and I put together, and he sounds about 25. And uh, I said, Super Seniors of that. That's your event. He was like, yeah, really? I said, you got 20 years on the field. That's your event. And you've got to start picturing, how am I going to win this tournament? What am I going to eat before this tournament? How much time am I going to get to the tournament floor with? What am I going to look for when I sit down at the table? What is my strategy? What is my edge on this field? This is something we just talked about in Master the Flop, what edge you should be looking for. Uh, that's a big thing. When you go into a game, what's your edge? How do you think you're going to beat the game? If you can't tell me right now what your edge is on the field, I don't think you have one. That's, that's my honest God opinion. So every time you walk into a game, you go, what's my edge? How am I going to win this tournament? What, what hand am I going to win with heads up to finish? Th these are the things winners think about. Do I want like a 9-2 to show I can do it with anything, or do I just want aces? And is, how's that going to look in the stack? And it sounds pompous and it sounds crass and it sounds stupid. I'm sorry, it's completely necessary. Every part of my no self-esteem having corpse does not believe in this. But you have to. You have no other choice. It's a little delusional. I'm not going to lie. You are self-deluding yourself. Go ahead and do it anyway. All high performers are a little delusional. Do you not think Elon Musk was a little delusional about his abilities at some point? Yeah. Has to be, because that's the only way he can reach for the stars, quite literally. That's the only way he becomes that way, is he has to believe it. I'm sure Steve Jobs thought he was the smartest person he ever met. And he, he probably wasn't wrong, right? Now, you don't want to have thoughts like that, but you can see yourself winning a tournament. That's rather modest in comparison. In the words of a great thinker named a great Greek philosopher by the name of the Thesaurus, Every time he plays a tournament, worse things have happened to better people. I could win this. And I go, go forward, young man. You have the, that's such a good point. How many people have won a tournament that you could kill heads up? Think about all those people. You can win this. Oh, yeah, once, yeah. You, once you believe you can win, I, Barry, I think there's a lot of people that don't believe they can win a poker tournament. I really believe that. I think they show up to a poker tournament and they think it's going to be fun. But I think they kind of crave the bad beat. I think they like to talk about their bad beats. I think the way you do anything in the words of Vince talked about Foley, it. Like, yeah. sorry, Alex. No, no, no. Carry on. The words of, and then I'll see what I was. In the say. words of Vince Lombardi, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Losing is a habit. Winning is a habit. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I think we've talked about this before. It's like you end up. 
the stories you tell yourself, you start to identify as that person. People do it in lives as like, as a victim, or you know, um, oh, they're not worthy, or or they're just oh, yeah. depressed, and they identify as that, and you cling to it, and you wake up and you go, wait a minute, like why am I? This is me that's choosing that to hold on to yeah. this or that. And I think with poker and sports and. You know, Sergio Garcia just won his first Masters in 20-odd years of trying, the, ma- the Masters there. And, God. you know, he was told, like, uh, and he said last year at one point, he said, like, or it was last year or the year before, he was like, yeah, maybe I just, I'm never going to win one. It's going to be, like, that's my thing, or I'm, I'm, maybe I'm just not oh, good enough, oh, or whatever. Oh, oh. And then he went and won the Masters. And it's sort of like, you can, yeah, it, there was something about, there's something about a quote like, I mean, it's maybe even Dostoevsky in The Gambler or something like that. There's a famous quote about there's part of gamblers that actually don't mind losing. Real gamblers. The, the oh, yeah. is just as good because they mm-hmm. can go, oh, I was this close or that. Or, you know, it's that pain. It's like self-harm almost. You know, it's yeah, like... You want, to, you want to hear why I'm good? If you guys want to hear really something dark, I... That is one of the most relaxed moments I have in the world is a big coin flip. I don't know why, because nothing is in my control. It's gone. And I'll tell you one thing. I love the pain. I love, I was at the gym at two in the morning the other day, lifting. And I loved every minute of it because I was thinking, I bet the rest of them are sleeping. Mm -hmm. I woke up at six. And I was working on something with a hyper-educated student, and he was testing all my theories, and he was refining them as I was teaching him, and he was getting a good lesson. And I was thinking, they're still sleeping. That I get hungry for that. And when I lose, it just makes me hate <laughs> that I lost so much more, and I have to go. I just have to, the next day, i got to study. I just have to do it. And then I realized, I started, I started reading about high-performers, and it's, it, they love the process of getting good, right? And in a way, they do like the losing because there is an old phrase. There's two great things about gambling, gambling and winning and gambling and losing. They, you know, take a walk on that edge. The view's better from there. And I love that my life can change every single day. I play cards. Every single day I play cards. My, my life can change. I do love that. And I do think you need to be a little sick with that. But there's a lot of people, you're right, that just show up and... They want to perceive themselves as unlucky. They would like people to say, you are an unlucky person because that relieves them of a responsibility in their lives. Mm -hmm. And we all feel the burden of responsibility. We know what we have to do. We just don't do it half the time. Do you ever feel like that? Like if this were a video game, I would just press the button, go to the gym. Right. But when you got to get your shoes on and you got drink enough water and you got to put on the sunblock and it's hot out today and my hamstring hurts and I don't want to do this. <laughs> and then, yeah, you go out there and you start running. It's like, Jesus Christ, I'm so tired. I don't want to do this. It's the pain. If you could get a video game character to do the things you want to do in life by pressing buttons and you can't do it, you're just saying, I can't take the pain. And is it really, I think taking the pain is what makes your mind complete itself i really believe it procures neurogenesis if i can sound like a total hipster <laughs> um what's his name uh what's his name dr trisha carter what's her name <laughs> uh 
No, her book, one of my favorite books about poker is Peak Poker Performance. I, I love anything Trisha Carter puts out because it, it really gets me to focus on what I really need to become an elite performer. And I think she talked about this before I did, which was you have to see yourself winning the tournament. If you can totally lose the money, no harm, no foul. If you can play the entire tournament, nothing's going to come up. You're not gonna, it's not going to be too late in the evening when you're playing. It's, if you can see yourself winning that tournament, go ahead and do it. And start, how am I going to eat before that tournament? How many cups of coffee am I going to drink while I play? How much water am I going to drink? How is that going to affect my bathroom schedule? How am I going to get to sleep at night? These are the things winners think about. You need to, if you can think like a winner, that'll tell you exactly what tournaments you should play. Thank, thanks for writing in. Okay. And next question is from Robert. Uh, hello, my question is in limping. I play live regularly and see people limping quite a lot from lots of different positions. When I play online, I don't see it nearly as much. I would be interested to hear your thoughts on limping, if when I should be doing it, and what to do against serial limpers or people who do it only sometimes. Thanks. I, uh... Not a big fan of the limp. There are a few times... Yeah, there, I'll have a hyper-aggressive kid, five to my left, and I'll have something like 24X, and I'll have aces, and I'll just fling out the call really quick. Three other people will call. Uh, genius 23-year-old in the graphic tee thinks he came up with this, makes it 7X, I jam, he folds, and I get 10X for free. Um, half the time I try to execute that play, the kid folds behind me because, <laughs> uh, you know, Alex is limping. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Small blind makes up big blind checks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and I, uh, so I try to limp like, okay, I'll limp this five, six of diamonds because I typically fold that under the gun or under the gun plus one. Like, and I'll limp it so if they raise, I can fold. And then, I, that's funny. That's where I've made most of my money is trying to set up that aces play and everybody limps behind and I hit, you know, the board comes like four, two, nine, one diamond, and I donk, I donk lead or whatever, and then everybody folds, or, and uh, or I hit my hand, and no, nobody can believe it. Nobody can believe it. Oh, my God, how did you play that terrible hand? That being said, like, when I'm playing a really loose cash game, I'll limp 30% of the pots. Uh, when I was playing in Laughlin, I limped 25% of the pots. Just because it was really likely I was going to see a flop with seven-way action. Yeah, yeah so it, action's pretty nice here. Not going to lie. I love this poker game here. Uh, just wish I could play in it more. But there's... Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I almost went out last night because it was bike week in Laughlin. And, yeah, uh, the money was moving at the casino while I was there to see that terrible Tom Hanks movie, The Circle. And, yeah, but I, I didn't go play. A anywho... Uh, I had a speech analyst check these one-outer episodes to give me notes. They said, you go off topic so much. It's insane. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of the point of the show. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you've noticed. There's quite a bit of a reverence on this. But uh, I'm not a big fan of limping. I, everybody who tells me they do it really effectively from the small blind, like one guy out of ten does it really well. The other nine are doing it because they saw it in some training video. And their small blind numbers are not that good because you limp and the guy two X's. What do you do? You raise? Are you really limped in big? You call? Great. You have no options. 
Donk lead. No one's going to believe you. Check raise. No one's going to believe you. Whereas if you bet, if you raise preflop and just try this play and see what happens. Just bet the size of the pot every flop. Because nobody calls the size of the pot without a good pair. And your boy there doesn't have a pair more than 50% of the time. And your bet, your bet, you know, 58% of the time, the guy has nothing he's folding. And your bet needs to work 50% of the time. These are kind of the plays I like to do when I raise. Uh, when I raise and I get one caller, I can manufacture that from the middle of the field, too. I'm doing that a lot in live tournaments where I just open a 3.25x and get three internet players to go, we're raised, bro, and then fold. Or they call. They don't three-bet. Or if they three-bet, they do this genius 6.8x. It's like, oh, my God, what am I going to do to a 2.1x three-bet? No one's ever thought of this one before. Like, this is you, you, sir. You're going places. I believe in you. That's, I tell you, before, my great-grandpappy, he didn't have much money in the Texas No Limit Hold'em game, but he start 2.1x3 betting, and, you know, he owns half of California now. So, yeah, you're doing pretty well. But most of the time, people just call you, and you can just fire down on certain boards, and you have a lot of tricks to your disposal. So, due to all these advantages I have when I raise, it's really hard for me to see limping as part of a valuable stock. I think it works in there somewhere. All of my experiments have been grotesque failures with limping. I can never figure out how to do it right. I just, and that's not, I'm not trying to be arrogant. That's just not normal for me because mostly what I focus on are plays that anybody could do because I need a real foolproof system. I work with systems when I enter poker tournaments. I'm not very, I, I, I haven't gotten to the very nuanced poker yet, like the high, high, high stakes poker. That's still a bridge too far for me that I'm learning. Just extreme pattern recognition and combinatorics, a lot of slicing down different ranges based on how people lift their hands, how people look, how people bet, that sizing tells. That, that, that stuff, that stuff's really tough. What I look at is systems, and in my systems, if it's really obviously working, I with every one of my students, I know it's a good system. So everything I teach you guys has been run through 50, 100, 200 of my students, and it's producing results for every single one of them. So I just know versus the player bases of these days, it, it is effective. I cannot find a way to put limping in one of those systems. I, there is one guy I have, one of my students, who does it very well. I have tried to imitate it. It does not work. Uh, it, I think it's a specific image he projects live, and yeah, he's a. I, yeah, it, it, I think he's got ideas. Uh, he's got a few others that he doesn't really, re- uh, he doesn't really announce. But he's uh, he's really good at that. But I think limping. It's one of those things like old guys are really good at it. Some of them, but I can't really break it down and figure out what they're doing. You know those you know those old codgers that just they find a way to limp and look, like Doyle is amazing at that. Doyle is so good at just sliding the chips in really easily and then you know Patrick Antonius like you know oh old man limping in watch me iso raise and of course Doyle's six moves ahead right that that was one of my mo- the most fascinating final tables I ever saw it was WPT I think it was Legends of Poker and Doyle Brunson and Pat- Patrick Antonius Patrick Antonius were at the same table 
See, I'm getting a little bit of the Arizona dialect right there. But yeah, anyhow. He yeah, he. Yeah, how, <laughs> no, how, how can you, you how yeah. can you move all yeah, in with yeah. that hand? And it's solid. Like, it, yeah. uh, <laughs> it ain't solitaire, boy. Yeah, <laughs> there was if 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 there's only a few people that could call me boy or son, and I would totally allow it. One one of them is Doyle Brunson because that is just a damn good point. It is not solitaire. There, well, you, you never, Doyle has every right to just go, I'm sick of you, I'm calling. <laughs> he might think that's a better option. He might say, if I try to out-finesse this kid out of position, I don't think it's going to work because Patrick can obviously play cards. Why don't I just gamble and yeah. see what happens? And then if I get the chip advantage, I can just bully everybody for the rest of the table. And that's what he did, and he won the tournament. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we just go, oh, Doyle, he's so antiquated. Why is he limping? Old man, what are you thinking? Winning poker tournaments for millions of dollars at 68 years of age. What could you know? <laughs> and there's something to limping. I'm just letting you guys know. I haven't quantified it. I haven't figured it out. I can't give you a ton of advice on it. I'm sorry. My research has failed you. <laughs> I see it a lot in cash games. Even when I was in Vegas in October there, it's like limp, limp, call, call, call. And then, like you say, six-star flop regular in the one-two games there and Right, right. Well, that's another thing I wanted to say is I think raising limpers is a big deal. If there's six limpers and it's folded to you on the button, Barry, and you have, by the way, this is all my lessons now is just hypotheticals and hearing people's answers and just grading them. It's so fun because you know exactly where they're going. Okay, so let's do one with Barry right now. There's been five limps. You have 72X on the button. You have queen, ten of diamonds. Do you limp in? Do you fold? Or do you raise? And if you raise, to how much do you raise, Barry? Uh, raise and probably, if, like, it's obviously a cash game we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably depending on how the table's been playing, um, pick, pick my amount that way in terms of what's going to thin out the field, but I, w- I would raise to play Queen 10 of Diamonds in position, like, on with a button uh, against the Limpers, I, w- I would raise. What raise size? Um, alright, so they've limped two, and there was, like, five Limpers, was it? Y'all ready for me to jump down Barry's throat? Okay, <laughs> let's hear this raise size. Uh, yeah, actually, I just saw the point that you're about to make. Um, uh, <laughs> that's why you stalled. Yeah, I see. yeah. yeah. You were going to say 7X, am I right? Something like that, yeah. How'd I do that? How did I do that? Because that's everybody's raise size. Your, your proper raise size is closer to 11X there, because who's going to call that? Yeah. The biggest dumbass at the table is going to call that. Nobody else is going to call that. Everybody else is going to go, oh, 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 don't have implied odds, ha, 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 I've read a poker book. Listen to me use poker terminology, I'm out. The guy who doesn't know a thing about poker terminology, who's playing Keno, he's going to be the only one who calls you. Yeah. Now you've got a heads-up pot. Most likely he's going to miss, so your C-bet's going to be effective. This is, these are all the edges I stack up. This is all I do is stack up small edges. I do not have a great edge on anybody. I just stack up small edges. I bend the game in my favor. I'm Brad Gilbert when it comes to tennis. I am the best with the least amount of talent because... I'll tell you why I pursue that position on the felt field 
nobody can get out of it, and it's always the worst players that want to play. And also, I love that you said race, because here's the thing. Limping in there with all the other limpers, totally fine, is a profitable play. Raising is five times more profitable. You are essentially saying, now people say, oh, but your variance increases. This is a point Rob Tinian made, okay? And uh, I just want you to know he's a remarkably talented young man, I mean, remarkably intelligent, worked very hard. And I just want you to know what points come from what people. And he makes a really good point, which is, yes, when you raise, uh, it increases your variance. Uh, but it's like saying, I want to play a bigger pot from this position. I, I, it's, I love things that are simple, that everybody can understand. That is so eloquently right. And it, I was, it, as a fellow teacher, I was dumbfounded by the simplicity of that statement. No, so because it was perfect. And I synthesized it in my mind because this is how I think of things. I try to think of things in like visuals. When you raise in position, that's like saying, I want to play double jeopardy. Let's play for bigger stakes, right? Which, of course, is fun because you're in position. You're in position. If they want to play bigger stakes, they lose. You get to see everything. So the fact that you said raise and not limp is already great. The fact... Here's the thing. Everybody knows what I know about poker. Did you see where you saw my point coming? Mm-hmm. That took you 34 seconds, Barry. 34 seconds to change a play. But how many times have you written down a hand history, taken it home, grabbed a cup of coffee, looked at it, and said, what could I have done differently? Probably zero. Zero. <laughs> zero times. Zero times. That's the deliberate practice. That's the deliberate practice. I mean, to be fair to you, you do get to listen to me prattle on for 150 episodes. But uh, most people don't deliberately practice. Make sure you're not just listening to me or any other poker coach. Doubt every poker coach. Test every poker coach. Don't, if, if they're wrong, you, if they're wrong and you're ahead of the t- I I can't tell you how many times I looked into a strategy on a training video and I found it was just BS. It just had no logic behind it. And now I see Riard's doing this, and I'm like a proud father. I'm like, yes, he's terrible. I agree. He's a terrible player, too. He runs really good. <laughs> Thank you for proving it again. I, I'm glad to know it's taken four years. He still hasn't figured out that's a bad move. By the way, once you start doing that, you're going to find out a lot of the people that have won poker tournaments are extremely lucky. So when they're being really pompous with you at a live tournament, just laugh. They're all going to go broke. It's okay. Just let it go. And if they do figure it out, well, hopefully, you know, maybe you should start thinking about how they have mortgages and kids, asshole. Maybe it's all right if he starts learning how to play poker. But this is, no, I just always say that as a joke once the guy starts going with me. Yeah, they're going to go bust. Wait, he's got a kid, buddy. Is that what you want? Well, no, that's not what I wanted. Jesus, dude. That's terrible. That's the, anyway, okay, let's go to the next question. Okay, last question for today is from Raymond. Is that right? Yeah, Raymond. Hey guys, love the show so much. Listen to you every week and just paused an episode to send this question in. So the question is on getting your big score in poker. Now I want to make it clear I'm not wanting get, to Get your what? Big score in poker. Your score? Score, yeah, big score. Oh, okay, big score. Okay, okay, I thought like a test or something. Okay, go ahead. Um, big score in poker. Um, now, I want to make it clear I'm not wanting to sound entitled here or any of us should expect to get that life-changing six-figure score or greater. But when we play these big online tournaments or take a shot live, we can dream a bit, right? 
we see these Yes, big, sir. I like we, this guy. Go ahead. We see these big paydays, and we all would like to have that. I've played for 12 years plus. I've never been close to a six-figure payday. Closest was probably top 50 in Sunday Million. Anyway, how do we keep motivated and keep going when the dream continues to evade us? I love the game, but I would love that score as well. Thanks. You gotta love it even when you don't like it. Yeah. Is the short answer. <laughs> I I mean, embrace I, the pain. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's uh, they say that about the music industry. I think that's uh, who said that line? You, you gotta love it even when you don't even like it. I think he said it, you got you gotta love it when you hate it. But it's something Carlos and I have been talking about. We learn a lot about life through hip hop. Like that phrase goes through my head no less than 25 times a day. You know, you got to love this even when you hate it. You got to love it even when you don't like it. And that's uh most rewarding things in life are like that. What's going to, I've seen guys win a big poker tournament after three years. I, I swear to you guys, I swear to God, I don't want to be them. I feel really bad for them because guess what? Three years in, you don't know what it means. So you start playing every 10K, maybe a 25K once in a while. That hot girl from home, you take on tour and, you know, you're trying to show her the good life. So you get like the baller suite at the PCA. Two years later, you're broke, man. That's it. And how are you going to come back knowing you lost a million dollars? How are you going to do that? How are you going to have your bank account statements and see 478000 in there and now you got twenty two, and you got a mortgage for 6.8? How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? You haven't won in seven months. You think you're going to figure it out? That, that's what I just described to you is many poker players' lives, and it's my job to turn them around, and I've got to tell you it's really sad sometimes. It's really tough. So a lot of the guys you're envying don't even have what they seem like they have. And here's the thing. When you win after 12 years, you're going to cry if you get a tournament win. It's going to mean so much to you, the ecstasy, the feeling of enjoyment of winning, the thrill of victory, the sense of accomplishment is going to be pronounced. You are going to feel it. It will be in a feather in your cap for the rest of your life, even if it was for a small amount, because you know what it means. Now, if you want to feel it more, you've got to love it even when you don't even like it. And that means I'm hustling every day, man. I love the hustle. Like, that's, that's pretty much it. I'll, I'll tell you what I do every day. Everybody has a to-do list. I have a have-done list. I scribble in my little moleskin notebooks things I've done the entire day. And if I don't look at that list at the end of the day and think nobody else could have done that, I don't, I don't, th- I don't think I deserve to win. I don't think, but if you keep doing that, you're going to get this weird thing going on in your head, which is who puts in as much work as me. And then it's not entitlement. It's a sense of, I can do this. I can really do this. You've got to pick your score. You've got to dream. I love the fact that you're talking about dreams. You should have your dreams. There's no reason you can't win one of these poker tournaments. But I'll tell you, one of the most fun times of my life, which I really didn't enjoy that much, was when I was coming up and I had no money and I was broke in Europe. I probably had $8,000 to my name when I final table to EPT San Remo. That's not a joke. And then, you know, I had hundreds of thousands and I made some mistakes, but at least I got that experience. But the thing I didn't realize is when I was broke, I was really happy. I was in Budapest and I was working out every day in my tiny little rented apartment during EPT. 
uh, Budapest. I, I was, you know, I was meeting people. I was having a good time. I didn't really appreciate it at the time. And I really regret that. A lot of the things that will give you contentment in life cost nothing. Absolutely nothing. Going for a hike costs you nothing. And it's probably one of the best things you can do for yourself. Going for a hike with friends, what, what do you guys got to do? Bring a couple beers and sandwiches? It's not going to cost $11, 25 bucks in gas. And it's one of the best things for you. I've always played poker with the understanding that poker supports my life. Life does not support poker. I tell everybody, I play poker professionally. I love poker, but it's not who I am. This is what I do. It is not who I am. I, I love this game, but you have to have distance from it. It cannot control you. And the way you're going to do that is by constantly taking money off the table. This is why everybody always asks, who would you meet if you could have an hour-long dinner with anyone who, in history, alive or dead? I really struggle between... I, I would talk to my grandfather would be my first, would be, would be my first option. Uh, I really wish him and I got to speak once I got sober and I had my life together. This, my second is Chip Reese. I would do anything to talk to Chip Reese. I'm so sad I never got to speak with him. He changed my life with one thing he said. The thing about Stu Unger was he never understood the point of the game was to take money off the table and enrich your life. That is the smartest thing I've ever heard in my life. Because if you... I'll tell you what I've done with poker. Well, I've worked myself like a rented mule because I like hard work and I'm really weird like that. And I've taken the money out and I've converted it to experiences. And the thing that took me 10 years to learn is you don't have to spend that much money on different experiences. And, you know, I had the thrill of running brick-and-mortar businesses, online businesses. Um, I got married, and it was still a pretty positive experience. I moved to other countries. I saw a lot of things. But you can travel. Carlos is the freest person I know. That guy doesn't have 10 bucks. He don't need money. I mean, he's got, you know, he's doing all right. But, like, he just travels the country and meets people and has a good time and sees things and does things and goes on adventures, and it doesn't cost him anything. Yeah. And that, he's the happiest guy. He is the most likely to become a great poker player because he doesn't need it. He sees it in the moment, and that's the thing. If you can remove that nervousness, you think of a diver. You think of a, an Olympic diver. You always ask them, what, what, how do I do it? How do I jump off a high dive 45 feet high and do three front flips and a back flip and land perfectly? And they always tell you the same thing. You can't be afraid of the water. Just got to belly flop once in a while and feel it hurts like hell, but, you know, you're, you'll be fine. You'll have, you know, you'll have... I don't know a right word that would be appropriate. You'll be, you might be bleeding, but you're going to live. And if you do it from the 20-foot dive, you'll really live. So just, just if you can remove that fear when you play tournaments, when you have no, If you are not, in the words of Cool Runnings, the greatest movie of all time, you've seen this movie, right? Yeah, John Fendick. Yeah, excuse me? 
John Candy. Yeah, it? I thought you said John, Sean Penn. I was. I, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> but, no, no, Sean okay. Penn. Yeah. You know, you know, maybe you put on some weight that year. But yeah, <laughs> anyway. No, yeah. It, if you're nothing, he says at one point, if you're nothing without the gold medal, you'll be nothing went with it. And if you are loving your life, loving your relationships, loving your hobbies away from poker, you will crush at the table because you will not have the fear. Everybody else is depending on poker to save their life. Think of that. Yeah. And 70% of them don't even think they'll win. So they're, they're waiting. They're waiting for that four-outer to come. They're three-outer. You, you they're can rise one above the zombie. No one outer. One outer. Insert obligatory story of my hundred K one outer. Bad beat. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of funny because now we have a podcast called the One Outer Podcast. Yeah, I, kind of weird. yeah that was worth it. <laughs> Alex's life after being executed <laughs> for a hundred K. But uh, yeah, anyway. No, but I if you have your life. I'm noticing. I don't really care what happens at the poker table. I'm really just happy to play because I'm loving my life now. I just yeah. I, I love my life. I, I I love reading. I love traveling. Or I love meeting people. I, I everything's great. I, every <laughs> uh, but that was the thing to be. Here's the mental game of poker. Okay, here's the real mental game of poker. You need to have control of yourself to be a dynamite no-limit hold'em player. How much control of yourself do you have with your diet? How much control of yourself do you have when it comes to your relationships? How much discipline do you have when it comes to working out? The way you do everything, I mean, excuse me, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Vince Lombardi. Excellence then must be a habit. Aristotle. Everything I'm saying has been said before. I'm just repackaging it for you guys and telling you how it's affected my life. You have to... There's a lot of times, like, I'm seeing... When I see somebody litter, it's not so much that the person is littering. I know in a lot of cities I go to, there is a street sweeper who will pick it up. It's the discipline that drives me nuts. Half-assing things. Not go- because if you half-ass this, you half-ass everything. Everything. Your whole life is a... I was going to say a joke. I was going to say it. <laughs> I, have no, I have no qualms with it. But if you can push yourself... That's, I, 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 I know this sounds like really stupidly type A, but if you push yourself just a little every day... God, you just put that in your pocket and you take it. It doesn't have to be a big thing. You want to change your diet? Well, just pick something. The first thing I picked was I drank three Cokes a day in high school, and I was really fat. I was fatter in high school when I was shorter than I am right now at 29 years old as a fairly broadened-out male. I was fatter in high school because I drank three Cokes a day. Do you think of the first day I decided to work out? Do you think I said, I'm going to go seven miles down to Gold's Gym and then do the bench press with 220 on it? Hell no. I went to one Coke a day. I drank it with my World Poker Tour episode. A little 16-year-old Alex budgeting his time. This was me. And then, then it became one Coke every other day. That sucked. I didn't like that. But I did it. 
Then it became one every three days, then one every four days, then once a week. And then it became never. I haven't had a normal Coca-Cola in, I want to say, five, six years. And the last time I drank one, it was because I had to taste them with cane sugar in Costa Rica and see if there was a big difference. There really wasn't. It just made me super sick. Uh, you can do every day. Do you, do you always pick up a Snickers bar when you go to the grocery store today? Why don't you pick up some cashews? That's another thing you can do. You can trade things out. That's a big one. Like, I'm super hungry and I keep eating peanut butter. Well, don't eat peanut butter. Uh, peanut butter, well, maybe peanut butter isn't even that bad. But what's a really, you know, like people eat a muffin when they're hungry at the office. How about the next time that happens, you have a little slice of cheese just ready, some cheese slices in your company refrigerator, and you just go and have like one slice of cheese and you really enjoy that cheese. Just a couple nibbles and then you go on. That's infinitely better than a muffin. Or you have some cashews. Or you drink two glasses of water and see if you're still hungry. Half the time you're still, you're just dehydrated. That's it. And you will have that in your pocket the rest of the day. Hey, you remember when I was going to eat the Hershey's Kisses, but I had the cashews? That's all good. That's how you should be feeling every day of your life. But the fun thing is, life is kind of like a video game. You've got to level up every day. And if you look at it as an opportunity, it's really fun. If you make it out to be this pain-in-the-ass work thing, you're not going to want to do it. So if you do that, I find you improve just little things every day. Poker becomes really fun because you're you're looking at all these new things and you're learning. I get really excited when I don't understand something in poker because I'm running out of those spots. Uh, When I find one, I'm really lucky that a few guys have shown me, you're really wrong on this. And I was like, oh, my God, you're right, but that's really cool. That you put that together, I didn't get, like, excuse me, I shouldn't say like. I, sh- I didn't get egotistical. I didn't get sad. I didn't feel, oh, I'm not worthy. I just, yes, a new thing I can level up on. You're just upping your skills trees. It's a gigantic MMORPG, except for it's not online. It's life. It's the best game in town. It has the best graphics. Just, pick, just play. It's time to play. Have fun, you know? It's a just tough play. game, though. Just play. Yeah, just what play. We just, this episode, just play. Or just the play. Real, or the real, yeah, just play. That's it. Yes, That's sir. It. Let's do just that. Play. Okay, uh, and let's wrap it up as well, but we won't call it that. Um, <laughs> uh, Alex, that was great. I feel motivated. I want to go and play. Um, yeah, I, go. I go Have play. one yeah. thing you want to work on. Try to level up. Just well, one point at a time. Well, tonight I'm going to watch the, the boxing. I'm going to watch Anthony Joshua fight Vladimir Klitschko. Oh, cr- oh my they God. They, they still box? Kl- Klitschko hasn't died in a clinch yet? He's not, he's, he's not clinching someone? What is he, do you think when he goes up to his refrigerator to get his Coca-Cola light out in the morning, do you think he hugs it before he opens it? Do you, do you think he runs his head up and down the side of it? Uh, you think when he sees his daughter, do you think he clenches the exact same way? Or like when he's losing a chess match? I'm not going to stop going with this because I hate what he's done to boxing. He killed boxing. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I, this, this Anthony Joshua looks the, the real deal and we'll find out tonight. Is he going to his ass out? Well, that's, uh, the, the bookies are saying that. But, uh, yes. That tonight? Yeah, tonight, yeah. yeah. Oh, you guys are so lucky in the United Kingdom. By the way, I know we're over time. I don't care. But uh, 
like I went to buy the, like this boxing package in the United Kingdom. It was like yeah, twenty you know twenty quid a month, as you would say. Yeah. And you just get every boxing match ever, and I have to buy the sixty dollar pay per views every time, and half the time it's a two round match. I'm like, damn it! Like, like everybody what? else that I have over at my house is just loving it, and I'm like, no, I'm out sixty, and I got two rounds. That's like that's like ten bucks a minute. Jesus. And anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah well, I'm, I'm pay per view tonight. I think it's like eighteen pounds. Uh, oh, I hate you. I bet, I'll bet you anything. Sixty. Yeah. <laughs> when I look it up. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, how can people get in touch with you for uh, private coaching? Your webinars that are for sale. Your upcoming projects. You got a new book coming out that you mentioned on the previous show. How can people get into your uh, filter and get your newsletter, etc.? By the way, to my Christian friends listening to this podcast i'm sorry about the ways i use the lord's name in vain i have a very poor form of english i'm sorry some of you guys have written me in and say you don't like that i try to keep out the cussing i use i use the word ass because i think it's more funny than offensive i've never heard a child say the word ass and not laughed my ass off and it, it but yeah i try not to use the other words Sorry, if you, I, I had a few emails. My kids heard that, or I heard that, and I'm, I'm sorry. I'll try to clean it up. I'm trying to learn. Uh, write me at alexandpokeredrush.com if you want to chat about anything, private coaching, whatever. It's me answering the emails. Uh, expect maximum of three days uh, for me to get back to you. Usually it's the same day or the next day. Uh, I will let you know. I have a few days off before Montreal just so I can live analog in a digital world. Uh, but after that, I should be on my, I, I'll be on my phone. I'll be on my laptop pretty much the entire time I'm in Montreal. It's kind of funny. I feel like I work at an ad agency and I'm explaining things to my clients. Like, Hey clients, this is how you get a hold of me. But yeah, you guys are my clients. Write me at Twitter at the assassinato, uh, sign up for my newsletter on pokerheadrush.com. Uh, I swear to you, it looks a lot better than my pokerheadrush page does. And if you want to just see some fun articles and stuff, check out PokerHeadRush.com. Okay. And Alex, thanks for your time. Uh, two hours in a row on Saturday morning into the afternoon with you. We know you're a demon. We know you're always working and putting out. <laughs> I ain't we no have... demon. I ain't no demon. Don't say that. I'm superstitious and crap, man. I'm Irish. Don't do that to me. Anyway, yeah. Okay, so am ahead. I. That's when I really start losing it. That's the sort of light. That's the path I go down. <laughs> Devil's out. You know, but um, well, uh, well, yeah. When somebody says "see you in hell," I always freak out. Like you know, yeah, "see you in hell." My laminated yeah, window. We might, yeah, we, this might be it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. Finish well, up. We really appreciate you doing this and uh, coming back again. Um, there's 133 episodes now, going strong. People still loving it and sending in questions, and we appreciate that as well. Um, Alex, until next week. Um, thanks for listening, everyone else. And cheers. As they say in Bullhead City, have a good one. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set-and-go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.